0: Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for another awesome hour of towering power here on the Sensibly Speaking Podcast, brought to you on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Radio, who knows how many other pot- podcast platforms, and with video here on YouTube. Hey, guys. Uh, Okay, this week I am bringing you word uh, news of another destructive cult out there. This time, one that is aligned with meditation, Buddhism, Eastern practices. There are, you know... You lose track after a while how many of these groups there are, how many of these nutty folks there are out there doing this stuff. And I, you know, I say nutty in a very tongue-in-cheek way because, of course, we can deal very seriously with this and get into the deep psychology and science of it. But at the same time, you all kind of just want to go, God, guys, can we stop being so nutty? You know, and That's kind of how I mean it when I say these things. Um, but we are going to be talking about something this, this episode called the New Kadampa Tradition. N-K-T. And if you haven't heard about that, well, you're not alone. It is not a huge, you know, worldwide movement, but it is out there, it is destructive, and it is uh, taking advantage of people. And because one of its survivors is now speaking out in a in a very uh, loud and effective way, and because she also happens to be a clinical psychologist by training. And uh, is a doctor. Her name is Dr. Michelle Haslam. And she is my guest this week. Hi, Michelle.
1: Hi, Chris.
0: Welcome to my show. Thank you very much for being here.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to it.
0: Awesome. Well, I've seen uh, you have done some work recently with John Atac on his channel and some other podcast work getting the news out about this thing. And in fact, today, as we are recording this, this will post, you know, probably in a week or two from us doing this interview. But just so happens today, uh, a cult, an anti-cult activist out there named B. Schofield has published an article about the uh, NKT, and there is other news out there about this. So seems like this, it seems like your work is kind of generating some some interest and in, in media on this. I don't know what do, what's what's happening with this thing. Yeah, there's
1: quite a lot going on at the moment. I think because um, the way that the group have attacked me has become quite public, that means that there's more evidence for us to um, speak about the attacks on survivors. Whereas previously, most of them were kept confidential. So yeah, I'm while I'm still um, while it's still recent, I'm doing as many kind of talks as I can.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, speaking from experience, that's how that's how you do it. You, know, you just yeah. get the word out there.
1: Sure. So yeah.
0: let's go ahead and get into this because I'm pretty sure most of my listeners have not heard of NKT or what this is about. So why don't we start with a little bit of an overview? What mm-hmm. is the new Kadampa tradition, and like, and how big is it? What, how, and and you're in the UK. Is that where they're based, or what? You know, how how does this group operate?
1: Sure, yeah. So um, the kind of Mother Centre is based in England, in the Lake District, and um, they claim that they do have centres all over the world. Um, They claim that there's 1,300 of them. But if you look into that, it seems to be kind of exaggerated and and most of their centres are actually um, kind of small groups that operate in libraries, public buildings and not their own
0: centres. Um, you know that has that has no parallel at all with any other destructive cult like Scientology.
1: Like exaggeration, you mean oh no, not at all.
0: Oh, they're classic and I I just you know I, when parallels come up like that, I have to take note. I, I don't mean to interrupt you uh, no, but I probably but I probably will too many times during this. That's
1: absolutely fine, Chris. And I would say actually that the NKT is the Scientology of Buddhism. so there'll probably be quite a few of those parallels.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, please continue.
1: Yeah. So, um it's really difficult to know how many followers there are. Um so I can't really ac- I can't really accurately say that. Um I would well, say Well,
0: would we say hundreds thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of I thousands. I would say
1: at least 5,000.
0: Um Oh, tiny. Real tiny. Okay. Good.
1: Yeah, I mean po- possibly more. Mm-hmm. Uh I know that um about that number kind of tend to attend festivals where they sort of travel all over the world to go to festivals. But beyond that, it's really difficult to know how many people actually read the books or go to classes. So, you know, I, I can't really, um, I can't really say, but um, yeah, so they have um, weekly classes in their centers and branches, and they also have correspondence classes that you can do, um they have lots of books in bookshops and online all by Kelsang Gyatso of course Uh, okay
0: (laughs) and so this guy Kelsang Gyatso this is the leader or this is the founder and uh we're going to talk more about him uh as we go through the podcast here folks should know that nobody's seen this guy since 2013 publicly right he has not made any appearances at all and the um The uh, data about this, and and like I said, we'll go into more detail about this, but just so everybody knows up front, the senior members right now are claiming that he's off on a writing retreat, strict retreat, right? But a lot of former members believe that um, some of his most recent books might not even actually have been written by him because apparently there's publications coming out under his name. Um, again, a lot of parallels with Scientology there, but I'm curious is that your position? Do you think that's what's going on?
1: Yeah, I do, Chris. So, um, the followers believe that he's an enlightened being, that he's an omniscient being, and that he's the third living Buddha. Uh, but it turns out that he didn't even complete his Geshe exams and he was expelled from his monastery. And uh, that's kind of a
0: black mark,
1: yeah. Yeah, so he's not considered to be a qualified Geshe um, by anyone else. And
0: let's, um, let's clarify real fast. What's a geshi? What does that word mean?
1: Well, it means that they've done all their exams to become qualified to teach Buddhism, basically. Um, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but I'm not really an expert on Buddhism. So I kind of got drawn in through the mindfulness movement, really
0: ah okay got it yeah and by the way if anybody is curious about the buddhist the deep buddhist aspects of this uh, i think your first interview with john atack he wasn't shy about sharing his knowledge about buddhism and there's no, quite a yeah. quite a bit of commentary there about that i also am no expert in buddhism of any kind and so you and i will be on on similar ground there on that i'm not going to pretend to get into the depths of buddhist belief but if you are interested i will put a link to that uh interview with you in the show notes here so people can see that but yeah i would say
1: that john knows a lot more about buddhism than i do
0: fair (laughs) enough fair enough
1: and when you get drawn into a sect that teaches a a very particular form that's not considered mainstream you think that you're practicing buddhism but you're actually not. So, um, but because you're only reading the books by your guru, uh, and you're told that you shouldn't mix traditions and you shouldn't read other books because it will just confuse you. And then he's the only one who's around. So, of course, you read those ones. Yeah. So, um, coming back to your original question, Kelsang Gyatso hasn't been seen since 2013. Um, and followers are told that it's because he's in writing retreat, so he's basically kind of retired from teaching, and they're also given this narrative that he doesn't turn up at festivals, like big openings of temples, because they can't secure the perimeter sufficiently to ensure his safety, because they're quite paranoid about him being assassinated, And when he was still attending, security staff were instructed to wear bulletproof vests and to take a bullet for their guru. So there was a lot of kind of self sacrifice um, for the guru. And um, yeah, so actually, most ex-members just believe that this is a persecution complex that's kind of designed to make you feel afraid of leaving and afraid of the outside world but also to kind of elevate him to an even more magical position
0: yeah we see that with david miscavige as well he's absolutely paranoid about getting assassinated, getting shot. I mean, this is what we're hearing, you know, uh, very similar. But but he does still make public appearances, and I think he knows that the reason why is because if he doesn't, then that go, that opens the door for somebody else to step up. Right. And, right, because power is assumed, according to David Miscavige, and, and he's kind of got a little bit of a point there. Um, mm. But your guy, your, your ex-guy, I should say your guy. Uh, so he hasn't been seen since 2013. So who's running the show? Who's the public face at this point?
1: Yeah, well, um, there are a few senior teachers who um, teach. And the books that have been released in the last few years, most of us ex-members believe that they were written by um, the senior members pretending to be him using his name. Uh, we believe that he's probably got a degenerative illness, um, or he's passed away, but an enlightened being isn't supposed to get a degenerative illness. So that would be another reason why he couldn't be seen in public, because then it would be obvious that he wasn't a Buddha.
0: Yeah, Buddhists with dementia aren't, don't don't sell so well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't control your mind if you have dementia, right? And B- Buddhas are supposed to be able to control their mind. so. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of, whenever um, followers ask questions, for example, in the Facebook group, these get shut down very quickly and comments get disabled um, and questioning is not really um, encouraged. Um, And they made a recent video where they, at one of the temple openings, where they ask everyone to talk about how He isn't really there but he is really there in your heart and your mind and the fact that they even made this video and asked people to say that he was there um kind of shows just how much they're trying to control the narrative at the moment
0: makes total sense to me uh you know that i yeah they have their own youtube channel And it was interesting to me in looking at some of their videos before we did this interview here, just kind of get a look and feel of what they're about and what kind of, you know, product they're putting out there. Um, The comments are disabled on every video I looked at on their channel. Maybe not every video, I can't say that, but every one I looked at, and they're posting up to now. So they, they got content coming out, you know, and I thought that was interesting that, because um, comments being disabled on videos, uh, or, you know, when you see that in channels, it's almost uniformly, I mean, Scientology does that, mm. you know, these these groups do that, they're not interested in, <laughs> in your feedback, they just, you know. No,
1: no, and they produce a prolific amount of material, but comments are never allowed.
0: Yeah, exactly, interesting yeah. point there. Uh, okay, now, one of the ways that, uh, you know, let's get into some details now about your experience with this. First off, how long were you involved?
1: So I was involved for about 18 months. I'd gone along to about four or five classes. They're general program classes. There aren't so many warning signs. They don't talk, talk about, they don't threaten you with rebirth in a hell realm or... Tell you that you uh, will be, yeah, spend a thousand aeons there if you turn away from your teacher. That all comes later, Um, but in the beginning, they they're riding on the wave of the mindfulness movement and meditation on prescriptions. So they just kind of talk about. They use quite sort of soothing breathing meditations. Um, And, of course, the environment is quite serene. It's quite – they usually have quite magnificent buildings in the countryside, and it's a break from your ordinary life. So you can feel quite calm and soothed. Um, So I'd only been to about four or five of these before I actually moved in to one of their buildings. So Oh,
0: they have live-in situation. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, so lots of people live in the buildings because um, you can – Live there for free if you volunteer and you get all your food. So they have volunteers come through programs, um, search engines like Workaway and Helpex, and um they also have ordained members who live there and who work for the tradition. But also if you have a full time job, you can live there if you pay rent. So that's what I did.
0: Ah, so you may, so you did keep your outside job. It, they didn't. They didn't demand a full
1: no. commitment right away. No, I kept my job. I guess the re- one of the reasons why I moved in is because I was struggling um, emotionally, and I wanted to live in a community because I'd lived in an intentional community in the past, which had a sustainability focus. But I'd really enjoyed the the, the intentional aspect of it for example shared meals um and i'd heard that meditation was good for you and i thought buddhism was just about peace and love and compassion i didn't know anything about abuse in buddhism or how they obscure abuse um and so i didn't really think there was anything risky that i was being involved in so i kind of moved in quite quickly Um, And also they have adverts that claim that their communities are um, supportive spiritual communities. And unfortunately, I hadn't read testimonies of abuse within the
0: group. Got it. So basically, you didn't do your due diligence. (laughs)
1: No, I think because I was quite depressed. I just wanted support and community. And um, I didn't perhaps do if I had done a proper search, I probably would have come across some abuse testimonies. Um, but yeah, I wasn't in such a good place. So, um, and that's actually part of the reasons why I think I became partially indoctrinated, even though I'm qualified as a psychologist, because a lot of the teachings, they can twist depression and trauma to seem quite spiritual. So, um, they teach you that suffering is what brings you to the Dharma and that worldly happiness is meaningless and that you should practice renunciation and, uh, basically give up all your time and your money to Buddhism in a line with, with their practices. And, um, so if you feel wounded by the world or overwhelmed by the world, and I was heartbroken, um, It kind of feeds into that and gives you a spiritual reason to keep doing it.
0: Right, right. And if it were only that, you know, a place to come meditate, hang out with other people, be chill, be on common ground, talk about mindfulness, talk about meditation, engage in guided meditations. I mean, if that's all that was going on, nope, what's the problem?
1: yeah and in the beginning that is how it seems because the beginners classes it's like multi-level marketing in the beginning it's just kind of you know rapport building um and they keep the, the magical and the mystical thinking out of it they make it pretty suitable for westerners you know but their notes on teaching skills states that um the aim of the teacher is to drive the meaning of the text into the heart of the disciple. And it also says, be very careful not to give the impression that it's a recruitment drive.
0: I see. Yeah, because it uh, is. But well, clearly, <laughs> if that's what their teaching materials specifically yeah. state. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, there are, by the way, Facebook groups of former members of this of the uh nkt that that you can look up out there guys uh if you're curious about survivor testimonials or or stories from other people about this um those are out there and they're just google search away so yeah there's there's this isn't just uh you know one disgruntled apostate situation here or you know but michelle is the one who's stepping up and actually talking about the details of this so When did it start to become something more, something different? How long were you involved and what did you see? What did you experience?
1: Sure. Well, um, it's really hard to say when that started happening. So it became quite clear to me that it was dogmatic quite quickly. Um, But you're kind of just told it's ancient wisdom... And um, it's beautiful and it's blissful and it's pure and it's nectar-like. And I kind of got a little bit affected by that because people are talking about how special the building is, how it has special energy because of all of the compassionate minds that have been generated by all the practitioners. And um, yeah, so I was influenced by this. and um, But soon they introduce... The the doctrine on destroying your self cherishing mind.
0: Hmm. So basically, your self cherishing mind.
1: Yeah, so it's a bit like all groups kind of aim to get you to destroy your ego so that you are easy to, you know, exploit. Really, um, so they they believe in something called a mental continuum that passes between rebirths. So they don't understand mental health. They don't understand trauma or the fight-flight response. Um, They believe that focusing on virtuous um, thoughts and images is, if you do that most of the time, then you'll be guaranteed a more fortunate rebirth or to achieve enlightenment. So basically that means being happy all the time. So, Is this sort um, of law
0: of attraction kind of thinking in terms of a karmic sort of think happy thoughts, think think positively, be mindful, and good things will karmically come to you?
1: Yeah, basically, they believe that if you have a negative mind or an angry mind, that you're generating bad karma. And that that will mean you have a more unfortunate rebirth, or you're moving further away from enlightenment.
0: Interesting. Did they divide? I, I'm just gonna ask questions as we go. I'm just, you know, just from what you've told me here. So, because yeah. uh, you've mentioned a few times, you know, rebirth. You're gonna have a bad rebirth. You're gonna have a good rebirth. You find out later there's hell, and you're gonna go to there if you really, you know, don't cooperate. Um, which I think is fascinating in a Buddhist tradition that there's a hell. But okay, mm-hmm. so. So there's this eventual idea that, you know, acting in the now, being good now, thinking the good, the right thoughts now, you'll get the good rebirth. What does enlightenment mean? What was your understanding of where you were going in, within this lifetime?
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting because I never believed in enlightenment personally. Um, and yet I still became partially indoctrinated because... Um, all of the teachings on like gratitude and becoming less selfish and more compassionate, you know, they tie in with some of my values and with some mental, uh, Western mental health principles, like, you know, a gratitude practice and, um, all of those things. So I kind of did start practicing and doing some of the spiritual bypassing, which I'll define a little bit later. Um, I think because I have a history of childhood emotional neglect, it's quite easy to convince me that I don't really matter and that I should focus on others and that other people's happiness is more important than my own, because that's kind of how I felt anyway. Um, So again, it kind of gave it a spiritual twist, but the true believers, what they believe is that um, enlightenment is kind of when you're omniscient, you can see past present and future all at the same time and you're you're permanently happy um and that you basically stop existing as a human you would be a buddha an enlightened being um and it's very tricky to dispute any of their claims because they say that buddhas only appear to people who've achieved enlightenment so you could say that um You could never argue the fact that perhaps enlightenment doesn't occur according to their belief system, because they'd say, well, if you have an impure mind, you won't see Buddhas, you won't see enlightened beings. So it's you. That's why you don't believe in them. That's why you don't see them
0: interesting so it kind of a closed logic system you, you know
1: absolutely
0: yeah yeah, yeah it makes sense but it but the path into this and 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 let's be clear is mindfulness and and meditation and that's that's just I mean there's lots of groups doing that I mean meditation is as old as rocks people have been meditating and I my experience with meditation is limited. Uh, it's not. It's not nothing. Uh, we didn't meditate in Scientology. There's nothing like that. But in reading about and learning about meditation after post Scientology, I've read Sam Harris, uh, who you know his book Waking Up, um, where he talks extensively about how he has spent years seeking enlightenment and mindfulness mm-hmm. and and meditation and how he is. He, he, I don't think he used mindfulness actually, um, but I but he definitely has done a lot of meditation and he's gone over and. Studied with Eastern masters and this kind of thing, and the thing I walked away from his experience with it and his framing of it was that meditation is um, uh, a way of, of of getting to a point where you realize that you are yourself an illusion, that the, that the awareness of yourself, that the stories we tell ourselves, that the, that this so-called consciousness that we have. Is really just a collection of systems in the brain that are operating that really have a, that really are a zero sum game where at the end of, at the end of it there isn't really anything there. There's just these different parts of the brain talking to each other and they give us this illusion of self. And by meditating, you sort of get to a place. And this is my interpretation of what I read. But by mm-hmm. but by meditating, you get yourself calmed and chilled to a place where you actually can kind of recognize that and be okay with not really being anything. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Like I said, that's my concept of what I walked away from it. What was, that all being Sam Harris, (laughs) Mm. what was your idea of this and how did it go as you went along that the meditation became something different? Because if that's how they're getting people in, but then they're twisting it into this other thing, how does that path work exactly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember reading Sam Harris while I was in the group because I wasn't um, a true believer and I still read other books. And, you know, I was working as a psychologist and, you know, so clearly I wasn't only reading Kelsang Gyatso's books. Um, I was kind of non-committal. But, um, yeah, and I remember Sam Harris saying that you can perhaps have moments of enlightenment, moments of wisdom, but I don't think he believed that you could reach a permanent state where you're in that all the time, which is what the NKT believe. So they advertise themselves as teaching mindfulness and meditation and modern Buddhism. I would argue that it's none of those things. That's just the marketing that they've developed to get Western people through the door and to part with their money. So, um, they don't teach mindfulness. They teach thought stopping. So sometimes they lead a breathing meditation, but the national spiritual director where I lived, she would lead it by saying, now stop thinking about your family, your friends, your work and your problems. So she would prompt you and then tell you, you must stop thinking about it. That's not mindfulness, or at least it's very poorly led mindfulness and then well yes don't um,
0: think of an elephant
1: exactly yeah right and then
0: good luck (laughs) really
1: unhelpful right right and then they only use that at the beginning of a class before you focus on doctrine so they say that it's used to settle the mind basically that means put you in a relaxed state so that you're more susceptible to the teachings But you maybe think, well, yeah, I want to, because these teachings are wisdom and compassion. So you don't necessarily think that you're being made vulnerable to the doctrine. And that's a bad thing because maybe you think, well, I am a bit of an idiot and like, I would like to be wiser and kinder. So um, you maybe think that you need the Dharma to be a nicer person because There's this argument that some people use that, well, you don't want to be a mindful sociopath. You know, you could be practicing mindfulness and you can observe, but you might not have um, compassion. You might use that just to be really effective and productive. So you need to study Buddhism because otherwise you'll just be a dick, basically. (laughs) That's an argument that I've heard quite a lot. So I, I've maybe, certainly
0: seen or, or inferred that from statements I've, I've seen coming out of the Buddhist world.
1: Yeah. So you maybe think that you, you maybe know that you're being put in a relaxed state, but you think that that's fine, you know. And also it feels nice to be relaxed, right? So.
0: Well, I mean, you're kind of going there for that. I mean, exactly. meditation is... I don't know how anybody would contemplate the idea of meditating and not and not include relaxing as part of that process.
1: Yeah, I mean, mindfulness is really not supposed to be used for relaxation purposes. That may happen, but it may not. But Westerners tend to use it to feel relaxed. Um, you might have, you know, traumatic memories come up or you might have anxiety and you're supposed to be just observing it if you're practicing mindfulness. So yeah, but so then what they do is something called contemplation meditation. I would argue that this is hypnosis, guided self-hypnosis. So they focus on an aspect of the teaching that's in line with the doctrine and they repeat it over and over again while you're in this relaxed state. And you're supposed to reduce the teaching down to a sort of short intellectual concept and focus on that and not allow your mind to wander away from that teaching and then you're supposed to use that to develop some kind of feeling some kind of emotional response that's positive and nice um and until this becomes an automatic part of your thinking so that all these positive minds, virtuous minds are just appearing automatically. So it's basically indoctrination and thought reform.
0: Huh. Now, a lot of people would listen to that and go, well, that doesn't sound so horrible.
1: Yeah. And th- this is why in the beginning it feels good. hmm Because um, you're generating these blissful feelings. You're in a lovely environment. You're perhaps being treated well by a community they tell you you've got fortunate karma um if you're attractive they'll tell you that you must have done good things in a previous life they have you know beliefs that make you feel um wow you've had such a fortunate uh, rebirth to have even found this tradition you know you're already re- you best use this human life to achieve enlightenment because you've been given this opportunity right that's the mystical magical aspect But if they know that you're a sciencey person and you're a sceptical person, they might use another way to kind of make you feel that it's a good idea, Um, like, you know, productivity or, um, you know, yeah, calm, peaceful minds. So initially, this feels good because maybe you're heartbroken or lonely or um, depressed. And there are some... um, proven benefits to compassion-based meditation. So if you imagine, usually you imagine that you're receiving these blessings from Buddha. So that's a bit like a compassionate mind meditation where you would imagine a compassionate figure loving you and you would um, maybe be feeling really kind of blissed out basically. Um, So lots of people find it quite addictive but then what happens is you're supposed to generate these positive minds when you're feeling a negative emotion. So this is spiritual bypassing.
0: Mm. Let's, uh, let's define that real fast um, as a term. I looked this up and it's uh, a tendency to use spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and unfinished developmental tasks. Developmental tasks, I guess, meaning like in the developmental process of growing, maturing, that sort of thing. So you're using spiritual ideas and practices to kind of shunt that or avoid that rather than deal with it head on, although I think some people, spiritual bypass kind of gives the idea that maybe they're sold on this idea by... Well, it's, you know, we're going to deal well, – I mean, how, Scientology auditing is, you know, we're going to deal with this spiritually. We're going to address you as a spiritual entity. And and by dealing mm-hmm. with you directly as to, as to who you really are, you know, as a being, we yeah. d- we're, you're going to have to deal with this body and all of its nonsense and, and trauma and stress and, and negative emotion. Nah, nah, don't deal with any of that. It's all just spiritual. Is that is that kind of the attitude or the focus? The, the yeah, I this? mean,
1: they don't understand – trauma at all they see any kind of negative thought or emotion as a delusion so that's what they call it so um that means anything that's not in line with the ultimate truth which is in their teachings that's considered a delusion so the idea that you exist is a delusion the idea um that you have needs and desires that you should try and meet is a delusion um, the idea that your happiness is just as important as other people's happiness is considered a delusion, really. Yeah, so the only things that are considered virtuous minds are ones that are considered to be working towards destroying yourself, cherishing, um, and exchanging the value of yourself for the value of others. So, um, what this means is, so I'll give you an example. Um, they practice something called rejoicing in other people's happiness. So the idea is that you're not supposed to ever feel jealous because you should just experience joy for the other person who you're jealous of. And at first you think, well, that's kind of nice. You know, I'd like to be able to do that. I'd like to be able to be happy for someone instead of jealous because well, jealousy is painful and it makes me unpleasant to be around. So you're maybe not thinking that there's anything wrong with this. But if you imagine, say, um, you're in an unhealthy relationship and you're jealous of someone because they're in a healthy relationship and you just try and be happy for them, but you don't address the fact that you're in an abusive environment or um, that you um, are in a coercive relationship, so the way that I saw people use this is basically um, it, they also use it to avoid feeling jealous of outsiders who ha- who are still engaging in worldly activities. So people who are still building a life, still having um, fun, uh, the teaching is used to encourage you to practice renunciation, give up, your time your money your energy to just practicing their practices and just rejoice in other people's happiness and so these teachings are used um for the purpose of expanding the group and keeping you within the group and practicing something that they consider to be equanimity um rather than understanding your needs working on assertiveness and um, all those things so but at first spiritual bypassing feels good
0: but then there's a point where it doesn't quite fit the bill for dealing with some of your needs because yes. you are bypassing
1: yeah. actual I,
0: real stuff I mean that's emotions yeah. are not an illusion they happen Thoughts yeah. are not illusions. They're there. They happen. You experience them. I mean, that's they're illusory to anybody else. Nobody else can peer in your head and and hear or see your thoughts. But that doesn't mean they don't exist.
1: No. So um, and they're giving you really important feedback about your environment and and what's healthy for you and what isn't. And maybe if you ignore them, you just develop learned helplessness and depression. That's um, what I was thinking. You stay, you stay in the abusive environments and you stay within the group
0: right because then it becomes a thing where it can be used against you of oh well now you're being jealous now you're yeah. being it, you know i i again the scientology connection you're you're being misemotional you're mm. being you know reactive i mean whatever it, it you know the language almost doesn't matter the concept is you're not practicing the doctrine yeah It's a slightly twisted doctrine that sounds like it makes sense until it's thoroughly examined, but you're not in an environment where you're thoroughly examining it and some of the, you know, consequences of that doctrine or that piece of dogma. And so you get twisted around in it and then you then you start seeing, oh, this is on purpose. This isn't an accident. This is not an unintended consequence. They're doing this to me on purpose
1: yeah and it's really bizarre how even as a psychologist it took me a while to work this out but everyone around you is just like blissed out and they're infatuated with the guru and um they it often makes you more narcissistic and that feels good because you think that you're becoming you're having these spiritual realizations and that you're working towards being wiser and that people out outsiders are ignorant so you can feel like it's working um because uh it feels good to to feel like you're you're wise and kind um so it's but really it's a gaslighting system because like you said what happens is they're not actually supposed to force the teachings on you but because they memorize the texts by Kale sangyatso they're highly indoctrinated and they just kind of spurt out of their mouth with no kind of gap. There's just no, the people who've been involved for a long time, they're highly indoctrinated. And so they do force the teachings on you. And that feels okay for them because some of them might be teachers and they might think, well, we're all practicing the same thing. So it's okay, I can say this. So basically what they say is that, your feelings don't mean anything and um, abuse only exists in your mind. There's no such thing as a difficult person. It's all, it all comes from the side of your mind and not from the object or the person that you're perceiving. So that is a narcissist's dream uh, because they already gaslight people, but now they can say, Whereas a a narcissist normally might say, oh, you're imagining it, it's all in your head, or I didn't say that, you've remembered it wrong, or you're crazy. Well, now they can use your own belief system against you, and this is what happened to me. So um, I began to realise that people were manipulating me using these teachings for their own benefit, and that actually... um, because the people who are more masochistic they get drawn into practicing the self-annihilation and then the people who are more sadistic they can abuse them and everyone's just enabling each other and there's no safeguarding in place so uh you you kind of tend to form friendships or Relationships where um, you're just abusing each other really, but you might be both convinced that you're on the path to enlightenment. And this is what I saw in other people. I, I met many malignant narcissists who were convinced that they were having spiritual realizations permanently, but then I would see them do something that clearly indicated that they lacked empathy and had less emotional intelligence than average but because the group is telling you that you're on a path and you must be achieving things, you're actually using the teachings to avoid taking responsibility, which is the opposite of what Buddhism is supposed to be about. You know, it's supposed to apparently be about self-responsibility, but I saw people using it to avoid taking responsibility. And that's what the management have done as well. When they've attacked me for my testimony and my psychological analysis.
0: Right, right. Because you've written a whole paper on this.
1: Yeah. So I've written about how I think the teachings are abuse enabling. And this is a problem across Buddhist groups, actually. There are more and more testimonies becoming available, which is great, because then Westerners are learning that Buddhism is not all about peace and love. It's a system of oppression. And um, it's not just a system of training the mind. It's not a science of the mind. It is dogma, and it is still religion, um so karma beliefs are often used to victim blame. They can just say it's all just your karma from a previous life or you must have hurt someone in a previous life. That's why you're being hurt now.
0: And that and thinking di- has seeped into Western uh, culture also through the secret, law of attraction, you know, these kinds yeah. of things. You don't necessarily, you have to use the word karma in order to have the idea of fate, kismet or cosmic retribution coming back at you both good and bad yeah, and and sure. the positive thinking link with the secret you know puts it all on you so if good things aren't happening to you it's because you ain't thinking good thoughts
1: yeah you know? yeah and so this deflects attention from a perpetrator
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it means that the environment is like an incubator for sociopaths because there's no consequences for them. Because if you go to the management or anyone and say, hey, I'm being abused, there'll be no consequences for them. There's also this crazy wisdom idea. So in other groups, um, this is common as well, that the teacher is perfect and you can never possibly know, maybe they're they're teaching you through abusing you, or um, you can never know, you know, a Buddha could be manifesting as an abuser in order to teach you suffering, um, in order to cause you suffering, so that you can put the Dharma into practice to work towards enlightenment. So again, you're supposed to view your teacher as possibly an emanation of Buddha. So it's very difficult to speak up.
0: But isn't isn't life suffering? You know, isn't isn't trauma good for us? Isn't isn't suffering and pain and some level of abuse, a a way of growing somehow?
1: Well, the trouble is, is that if people are going to use that excuse to keep you in an abusive environment and get away with it, and you're actually, you have a history of childhood abuse and you have poor boundaries and you think that you deserve to suffer more. You're just going to end up with more trauma and you're going to enable them to be abusers. So... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah.
0: I don't. I, 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 I know my voice doesn't communicate well sometimes that way, but uh, I, I was being you, slightly like, facetious sort of... there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, sometimes no, it's all good. Me. I, I wanted an, I wanted a, an honest answer to that question, actually. So I'm glad you gave me one, because well, it's true. If... You know, you're not going to enlighten somebody by beating the shit out of them. You know.
1: No, and it's interesting because. Um... I've been very very resistant to any kind of, well, you learn from suffering since then because the group attacked me and that was one of their teachings. So when people have tried to say, well, didn't you learn from it? I've just really wanted to punch them in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Right. um, It makes gratitude really difficult as well because when you feel like these teachings have been used to manipulate you, then you're like, do you know what? No, I'm not going to be grateful for your bullshit and I might not forgive you. I won't practice premature forgiveness because if you're using that as an excuse to treat people like crap,
0: I'm
1: yeah, that's, that's not okay. So it's strange. Um, it's actually made me more resistant to some of these ideas than before I became involved. Um, so, um, yeah, you may learn, um, you might learn how to spot abusers and how to stay away from them. <laughs> I well, would say that. Well, yeah.
0: A- I mean, this this goes back to, I mean, we there are old concepts in our cultures. No pain, you know, no pain, no gain, mm, right? Yeah. I mean, th- this, th- these these basic concepts are right? very, very simple, uh, old, old, old ideas. Might is right, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, taken out of context. Mm. You know these things can be are used constantly to abuse people, and for no other reason than to abuse them It is straight up abuse. We are even learning now through uh, health and fitness and whatnot. If I if I if I have what I've read, if I remember, and all of this right. Um, that all of this no pain no gain stuff in the sports industry and in the sports fields and weight training and stuff is actually horseshit. It's, you, if you're doing that to your body on a regular basis, you're, that's self abuse. That's not. That's not. You know. That's not how you should be even muscling up. And this is. This violates like decades, you know, centuries of of tradition and thought. And you know, the best people yeah. know that this is how you do it, right? And and it translates over into this kind of thing with Buddhism and the suffering, because you have to suffer to somehow achieve these states of, of bliss and enlightenment. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and it's a whole concept that is a kind of unquestioned, you know, from it's from so a young age. You know, we yeah. are we are sort of indoctrinated with this, and so that concept is used by abusive personalities. Mm. over and over and over again. And I think this is just another aspect of it, and it speaks to the age of just how old this idea is.
1: Yeah, and you know. I think there's always an agenda there with that kind of an idea. Um, so the un- the tricky thing is is that a lot of these groups... Um, They think they understand the mind. They think they understand mental health. Like the NKT, they even advertise themselves as offering courses for overcoming depression and anxiety. But they don't understand neuroscience and they don't understand how trauma affects you physically and mentally. So um, they're telling you that you need to suffer more, but with no understanding of how you will actually develop complex trauma that cannot be overcome through cognitive concepts. So there's a lot of evidence now that trauma is held in the body, um, a lot more than we've ever known. And I I witnessed a lot of people who had been involved for years who had really severe immune system disorders and chronic fatigue. And I think that's because they've been doing so much spiritual bypassing and traumatizing themselves with no understanding of how trauma actually affects them um so yeah because i'm a psychologist maybe it became clearer to me quite quickly um but yeah these abuse enabling teachings um apparently it's it's common that that none of the buddhist groups really understand trauma
0: exactly and how would they they don't, they, it's exactly as you said, and, and they don't study, they have no way of studying and, you know, the yeah. actual, the physical biology of it, right? And they don't yeah. engage in the psychology of it. So they just do the spiritual bypass. Well, it's all a spiritual problem. This is what Scientology yeah. gets away with too. And the um, problem
1: is, mm-hmm. like, the no-self hypothesis has started to reach Western psychology. And because that comes from kind of Buddhist philosophy people are like, oh, it's all reaching... The ancient wisdom is finally reaching Western psychology, you know, the, the no self, you know. It kind of gives people the impression that um, it's the ancient wisdom of Buddhism. It's going to kind of teach us how to handle our own mental health eventually. Um, so, and actually there are a lot of therapists and psychologists and researchers who I would argue are indoctrinated and they have the wish to spread the Dharma through research. So John Kabat-Zinn, for example, I read an introduction, an introduction in a, um, current opinion in psychology, um, uh, what do you call it? Edition. And uh, he's talking about spreading the B- the Buddha Dharma and how wonderful it is and how how it should be spread to every corner of the world and how this is urgent you know there's all the aspects there that really remind me of how evangelical the NT was you know the urgency applying for every problem in every part of the world for everybody um and I think that researchers often don't question other researchers when they talk like this because maybe they think they're worried about it being seen as religious persecution or discrimination or they just don't understand enough about Buddhism to argue with them. Um, So actually, um, yeah, it's these groups, they don't understand mental health at all.
0: Right. Basically, I I think you're absolutely right. And I think that if they did, And we were looking at something that was truly revolutionary as a practice, then we would see a lot less mental health problems in the East, where this Mm. comes from and has existed for centuries in various forms. There have been hundreds, perhaps thousands of different forms of Buddhism. I haven't seen one of them, (laughs) you know, produce a steady stream of, you know, mentally incompetent, mentally challenged, mentally, you know, people who have mental health issues you know, going into these groups, <laughs> becoming cured, and coming out, going, "Oh yeah, I feel great now." You know, like that. That's 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 not how this looks. No. So, so how this, how any of these groups could claim to have the corner, or, or, or have the, you know, the market on corner of the market on on mental health, it, it just it, it's almost non sequitur. It, it doesn't make any sense at all that they're going in that direction. All it's it all, is, is you know
1: learned to market themselves according to the needs of the people of the time so they used to market themselves buddhism 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 then it was meditation 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 now it's mental health problems because that's just the way to get people through the door um so and we've projected our own kind of wishes for a, a happy healthy lovely religion onto buddhism and we've been sold it as you know oh practices in the east are more pure and they're less degenerate and we're really capitalist and selfish and full of ego and you know we need to go back to the way things were but we're being sold these practices and techniques for money in the west so they've capitalized them completely and then they tell you like a nar- a hero narcissist would tell you that you're full of problems and only they have the answer and you're broken and they'll fix you but no one else will have you um, give us your money that's what they're doing but they're claiming it's pure and it's that everything else is in the west is is degenerate
0: uh, exactly and it's it's just the biggest bum rush to nonsense that they, they, yeah. you could imagine i mean it really is and it's and it is it, it would be funny if it wasn't tragic in many ways Mm, mm. You know, because uh, I mean and, and there's even you know bits and pieces of this in Harris's book. again, I, I I'm not claiming to have some big wide survey of this whole field. I'm you know I'm not no. claiming that I know what the Buddha originally meant or intended because guess what? Nobody wrote down what the guy actually said for quite a while. So <laughs> guess what? We don't have anything from what this guy it's said except legends. It's yeah. all legend, man. That's all it is. There's ain't no writings, there's nothing. It's worse than Christ. Right? I mean, at least, at least three centuries after people started talking about him, you know, Buddha was like, but you know, anyway, it's just a mess. Um, and yeah. I, I think viewers of my channel are going to understand how opportunists and narcissists and and um, men will take advantage of people's ignorance of this to get an angle, you know, and and pump people for money. And this is just one of the things that the West has gone a little bit batshit crazy about. Is how mm. everybody in the East and the ancient traditions. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow's taking advantage of this. She's 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 making millions on this whole, you know, old school Eastern tradition thing. And they they knew everything we You know, they knew more than modern medicine. And you're like, no, they no they they didn't. They really didn't. You know, <laughs> no, they didn't know what a germ was. They didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, let's yeah. let's let's please stop with this. It's not yeah. reality, you know. Anyway, obviously I get a little bit on a soapbox about it. Let's get back to your experience um, because we're breaking down mechanisms here, right? Control mechanisms, authoritarian control systems. And another aspect of this is, you know, you have spiritual bypass, you have thought reform, you have thought stopping cliches, things my audience is familiar with. We also have this, um, something that I'd like to talk a little bit more about, and you're a clinical psychologist, so you're somebody I actually get to ask real questions about with this, right? Mm -hmm. What is disassociation?
1: Okay. Yeah. So, dissociation is a big part of what they practice in the NKT. So, you know when you did that thing where you say, oh, well, where are my thoughts? Where are my feelings? Where is my body? Like... um, it's just, it's kind of an illusion. Well, that can result in dissociation. So in the NKT, they practice this by um, contemplating the emptiness of the body. So they would point at a different body part and say, you know, where is it, who who am I? Like, I'm just a collection of parts, where is the me? And so you're kind of dissociating from your sense of yourself as a person, as a feeling being with needs. And so this is part of the doctrine that helps you to overcome having needs, basically. Um, They don't practice mindfulness of the body. So the combination of that means that you're not grounded in the body. You're not sensing the feedback you're getting from your environment. And you're practicing trying to remember that you don't really exist and that other people don't really exist. So, this can result in derealization or depersonalization. So, feeling like you're not real, feeling like things around you aren't real. If you practice often enough, when you're in the group, this will be actually reframed as something virtuous and spiritual. But if you leave, it would be re- reframed as a sign of a dissociative identity disorder. So, of course, what happens is when people do leave, they actually are suffering usually with PTSD symptoms, but particularly with dissociation. This is rejoiced in when you're in the group, this self annihilation, detachment from the self, the no self hypothesis approach, because it's seen as, you know, you're detaching from your worldly, um, your desires and um, your self grasping ignorance. Um, But it's actually highly dangerous. And for people who already have trauma, so you're likely to be drawn into the group if you already have trauma because suffering is what brings you to the Dharma and it helps you make meaning out of your trauma. And maybe because you want to retreat from the world because it's painful and scary and you don't trust people anymore because you've been betrayed so much, then you already are likely to dissociate um and so it's teaching people who already dissociate to dissociate further but again giving it a spiritual narrative and make it seem like something special and um actually this is what's really sad and you touched on this already because i know people who are still in the group who are very sincere practitioners who honestly believe that they are training towards enlightenment and that they're going to have a fortunate rebirth through this practice, but what they're actually doing is seriously harming themselves mentally and physically. And like I said, I think that's why I saw people with so many chronic health difficulties, because doing this over the years does actually damage your physical health eventually.
0: Absolutely. You might
1: end up with, um, you might have irritable bowel syndrome, because you've stayed in so many situations where you feel unsafe. Um, or yeah, you you're not adjusting your environment to what your body's telling you you need, and so eventually your body will start to, you know, even cancer is uh, has been linked to unexpressed emotion, you know. So um, oh, I don't think I there's also, a whole
0: lot of question in most people's minds that you know one's state of mind. One's emotional health, one's emotional intelligence, one's way of dealing with reality is connected with how your body's doing.
1: Yeah. Well, in the NKT, they believe that the body is just manifested by the mind.
0: Well, of course they do. And, and, yes, so. and they do in Scientology as well. But this is a false dichotomy because... Yeah. And this is something I think actually goes speaks to another um, one of these... Well, I think there's a. I think this sort of false dichotomy is spread throughout most of our cultures, actually, uh, in our modern world, and it's one of these unexamined ideas that when you start to examine it, as I've been doing recently, you start going, "Wait a minute, why did I ever assume this had to be true?" And that is this sort of false division that we put, we put, we sort of take this line at our neck and go, "All all the stuff up here is different from all the stuff down here." Mm. Right. And we have this weird idea that there's a mind and, you know, there's a brain, there's a mind. Well, you know, obviously that's not a weird idea, but we have this idea that it's something separate, different and completely uninfluenced by or relatively uninfluenced by the rest of what's going on with the rest of us. Yeah. And we find that this is completely wrong.
1: Yeah. And you could even say that cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, can sometimes suggest that like it you usually do look at your bodily reactions as well but this idea that we should just think more positively again gives a lot of power to the mind um in the nkt they believe that the mind actually exists at the heart so it's you know they don't really believe it's connected to the brain um yeah so but i i agree with you yeah we do tend to believe And a lot of these um, meditation practices, they don't include the body sufficiently.
0: Yeah, I would just like to suggest to people that they check that out, that they sort of check their assumptions a little bit about that. Because um, the brain as an organ is just another organ in your body. It's part of your body. It's, it's it's not separate from you yeah. you know this idea I, I think this comes out of 1950s horror movies you know the the brain in the jar you know what I mean and somehow it's like yeah. this this living entity that can exist without the rest of the body and that's that's not how brains actually work uh, no. you know brains brains exist to regulate the the the, the, the organs of the body the, the, the you know the, the state of the body that's what it's there for and so to to, to, to pretend that you can remove it, you know, from the body, or treat it as something separate from the rest of the body, it is 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 ridiculous. Your brain is affected by the state of your intestines. The brain is affected by the state of your leg, at twenty four seven, every single second of every single moment of your life. Your brain is affected by these things. It's receiving input from your yeah. body all the time, and people don't people aren't aware of this, and so they they don't think about it. You know, because literally, mm. they don't think about it. <laughs> because it's all happening automatically in the regions of the brain where you're not consciously aware. Anyway, I just wanted to make that point because I feel it's an important one and connects to some of what you're talking about here.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of these groups, they, a lot of spiritual teachings, they are not connected to the body. They're quite patriarchal. They sort of suggest that feelings are, you know, just hysterical, reactions you know this whole approach is very masculine as well um that's an interesting
0: point in the buddhist world i had not thought about uh people tend to not think about buddhists that way you know that there's that there's gender uh prejudice yeah buddhism hasn't
1: integrated the feminine at all right you know the the idea that non-reaction is more desirable that's very masculine actually And you can see that in the way that they attack ex-members through calling them hysterical and mentally ill. Like you said, any reaction that you display is just seen that you're a spiritual failure. Whereas, actually, you could be having a really important reaction to finding out that you were in a dangerous cult. (laughs) And it wouldn't be healthy to have no (laughs) reaction to that. Oh, I've just found out that what I thought I was doing is actually the opposite of what I was doing and that I was actually harming myself and um, oh, this group actually are like Scientology and they attack people into silence I don't think I was supposed to be equino- you know, equanimous
0: <laughs> <or whatever. laughs> right
1: that would probably make me a sociopath right? Those are- loads of people have suffered but I'm just going to sit here and be terribly calm
0: Exactly. And in fact, you know, it, it's funny how, uh, you know, they'll, they'll criticize or get on you for a negative reaction, but of course, a positive reaction is perfectly acceptable, even though it's just as much a reaction as a negative one.
1: Yeah. I mean, even this distinction between positive and negative feeling states, we have decided which ones are positive and which ones are negative based on social norms. Really. Exactly. Exactly. And- English people, we already have difficulty expressing anger. So if you tell a load of English people that anger is not spiritual, they'll go, okay, great, because I'm really terrible at expressing that
0: anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds healthy.
1: Yeah. So I met a lot of highly passive-aggressive, sarcastic people, and a lot of the trolling that I receive is highly passive-aggressive. They pretend that they are... are they care about you and how spiritually deluded you're becoming, but they don't care about you. They just like feeling superior. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, positive and negative emotions as well is like obviously some of them feel nastier, but um, I think it's really exacerbated by how we respond to other people's painful emotion. We say that's a negative emotion. A lot of the time, it's because we can't handle this person's feeling or it makes us feel uncomfortable you know um and if we feel less we're easier to control
0: exactly exactly right it it really does at the end of the day it really does come down to us understanding ourselves and we're and we're just barely getting there uh in psychology right now to to some of these concepts you know i mean It's, it's i mean it's really still in its infancy so it
1: is yeah. So
0: there's still so much to learn, and you think you know. And this is the other thing that these groups uh, push is that they've got it all figured out, and mm-hmm. we know. <laughs> no, 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 no. There, there. Nobody's got this figured out. anybody Anybody who's telling you they got this figured out, they got all this figured out, they're lying to you. Like, yeah. like let's be really super clear, right? They're lying,
1: even yes. if they if anyone... think they're
0: telling the truth, they're still lying.
1: Yeah, if anyone thinks that they have the ultimate truth about consciousness, don't trust them.
0: Basically, (laughs) especially when money's involved. Especially. Somebody, you know, everybody's got opinions. I just uttered an opinion. Now, I get it. Maybe somebody somewhere does have it figured out, but I haven't found them yet. And the world's not beaten, you know, a, a path to their door. I mean, all the solutions that people are forwarding are are falling into, are thinking that they've grasped, that they've got it now, their life is going to be on a a fast lane to success and efficiency and wonderfulness and happiness and everything's going to be great. Dude, get real, man. That ain't how life works. (laughs) Yeah. It just ain't.
1: It's the combination of the self-help movement and the sort of enlightenment movement and um, our constant wish to be happier than we are and to get duped into buying things and uh, going on courses that promise that they will make us happier. But this one is a kind of twisted backward one because it says all that other stuff is really capitalistic, but we're really pure.
0: <laughs> exactly. So give us $5 and we'll tell you how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah. tell you how different we are from all those capitalists. Yeah. Now, there's also, in terms of techniques here, in terms of like uh, cult mechanisms, because uh, just returning to that theme, we also have uh, memorization, right? We have rote memorization. This occurs in Scientology. This occurs in a lot of these groups. But, there's an emo- but you mentioned um, in talking about this before we did our interview here that there's an emotional regulation aspect to this. They're memorizing the leaders, the founders, words, and they use this somehow for emotional suppression or regulation or what's what's that about?
1: Yeah, so I guess it's again like the spiritual bypassing. Hmm. So um, like you said before, it's a closed loop self-referential system. So um, if you feel sad, you just focus on this teaching and um, there's quite a limited number of options. So you just learn When I feel this, I focus on that. Um, And so it becomes a tool for self-regulation. I mean, this is still very difficult because evidence shows that thought stopping techniques don't work very well. And um, a lot of people, even in CBT, say that they find it really hard to generate a more balanced alternative thought. But we're not talking about balanced thoughts here. We're talking about self-negation mainly. So an invalidation of your own feelings.
0: And that's, um, and that's where my attention goes because Scientology is all about that as well, especially at the highest yeah. levels. It took me years after coming out of Scientology to learn how, well, first to learn that I was suppressing emotions as strongly as mm-hmm. I was because I wasn't even aware of how tight a lid I had on it. Um, but then, yeah, it, it's an avoidance. Yeah. If you're taking some teaching, and okay, I'm just going to think about this now. Well, that's not where the sadness is coming from. So, what what are you doing?
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, is Um, that is am I thinking on this on the right lines there psychologically?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, this is really evident in the the comments that current members make when. Survivors or former members, whatever you want to call them, talk about the trauma that they've experienced within the group because this triggers cognitive dissonance for current members. It makes them very confused because they don't believe in trauma because they believe that suffering should help you to, you should be able to transform suffering, emotional pain or whatever into the path to enlightenment. So they don't understand that you could have actually gone on to develop trauma and not be more enlightened So, but because it's really hard for them, they turn to the teaching. Um, So uh, they just invalidate the trauma of former members by calling us survivors in quotes and um, talking about trauma as if we're just making it up Um, because, and they, just yeah, they just decide that we're uh, jealous because it's a narcissistic group and it feels really important to people when other people leave they imagine that we must be jealous instead of having left because of abuse or having seen cultic dynamics um so uh for emotional regulation purposes the pain of like the cognitive distance or the confusion or perhaps the doubt that they're experiencing They'll just practice something that helps them focus on their faith. So they're always talking in the NKT about you need more faith. Don't read anything that damages your faith. Don't look at things that cause your dharma realizations to degenerate. So it just means not looking and not engaging in any critical thinking, really. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very much a um, misdirector. Hmm. You know, I mean, I, 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 I'm not claiming to be some like, you, I'm not a therapist, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not anything like that. I'm not claiming to be, but my own experience on this is a little deep, and, and mm. I, and I did have to dig into what emotions are in order to understand this, and, and I'm, and I, and I do understand where the field is at on emotional study, and 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 what the theories are on this, right? I've spent a long time looking at this, and. And it's, um, and it's difficult, it's complicated. Nobody really even yet has a definition that's agreed upon. There's no settled science on what an emotion even is. And I yeah. challenge anybody out there, go ahead, try it. And I'll poke holes in any one of the people who any definition you want to give me of emotions, you know, yeah. we can take it apart because this is not clearly understood yet.
1: Yeah, oh, in my yeah. um, interview for my clinical psychology training, they asked me, what is an emotion? And I totally was like, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. (laughs) And I still got on the course. So I assume that was
0: okay. I mean, yeah, you can, you you know, there are ways of describing. Yeah, there are ways. There are ways of describing, you know, talking about the phenomena. But as far as like what it is biologically, where it comes from, how it's different from any other thought you're experiencing, because biologically it's not. Mm. Right, like how does this all work? Right, neurologically, it's it's not any different. There's no there's no special compartment up here that's generating emotion. So it's 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 an interesting interesting field that is still hotly debated. Still, str- you know, right in the middle of it. And then we take all that knowledge and we go, okay. So we've been dealing with this, you know, from a psychological perspective, from a biological perspective, from trying to figure this out, unravel this. And then here's these guys over here ah, none of that's important. Nah, They don't know what they're talking about. They they don't have it taped. They'll never have it taped. We know it's your spirit and you just have to think happy thoughts and all of it will be fine. And you're just like...
1: Well, they believe that feelings don't mean anything, basically, that the feedback doesn't mean anything because their agenda is to get you to work for them and give up everything so they don't want you to be in touch with your intuition or your perception
0: that nailed it that's exactly right i would say
1: i would say that they don't know that they're doing that necessarily because you know i met people who really do believe that their version of the dharma they really do believe in it you know so i wouldn't say that um even the teachers necessarily know because they're in a state of infatuation and they probably do feel happier and they're in a, a community. Um, and like I say, it can be narcissistic. So you can feel better than you used to because you feel more important and, and wiser. So it's not that they necessarily know um, that, you know, and they really do think that the Dharma needs to be spread to every corner of the world so that everyone can feel like they do so it's only really when you leave and then you fall apart mentally and physically or you can't communicate with outsiders because you say weird things and they think that you're a jerk that's when you realize that you weren't achieving enlightenment um you were just indoctrinated but you wouldn't realize that unless you leave and then you have a significant period of time with distance from the
0: group. Exactly. The one thing that all cult survivors have in common, different groups, different belief systems, different cultures, races, gender, everything, none of that's in common. But the one thing that that cult members do have in common is after you leave, you gain this newfound ability to critically think about the group you were involved in. And Mm -hmm. the reason I highlight this is because when you're in the group, you do not have that ability. And it's almost a defining characteristic of what it means to be in an extremist situation or an authoritarian high-control group, is you do not have the ability to critically think about that group. You've bought into a series of agreements that have shut that faculty down. Yeah. And, and this is why all of us feel so fucking stupid when we come out. <laughs> and this is why people who can think critically and look at the group from outside who are never members, never part of it, never bought into those agreements, look at it and go, you'd have to be a moron. You'd have to be an idiot. What kind of fool would fall for this? Well, it, it, it's all a practice in. It's a study in shutting down people's critical thinking skills. And that's what we mean when we say you don't question the beliefs, you're, all that's discouraged, all that, you know, there's all these mechanisms in place that Mm. are designed to shut that down. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, and they're given a lot of, um, there's a lot of awe and um, emotional contagion around why those practices are, you know really meaningful and really spiritual and this is the meaning of your life and all that other stuff that's not the meaning of your life and you know it took me a while to come forward partly because of pride because I'm a psychologist and it's embarrassing that I was partially influenced by this I wasn't as influenced by the people who met Kelsang Gyatso because I he was already in writing retreat by the time I joined I'd never experienced awe for him, and I always found the statues and p- photos of him a bit creepy. Like,
0: <laughs> like all know, the pictures of Hubbard all throughout the Scientology works.
1: Yeah, so um, they put bits of his hair in these statues. <laughs>
0: I saw that, that's right. Yeah. He's yeah. got these statues, guys, around in his temples and stuff, and, and it has a hair from his head. Like, all the statues have a hair, and that's what keeps them pure
1: yeah and it's not normal in tibetan buddhism for it's it's considered inauspicious to make a statue of the guru while he's still alive but they've made one of him and he must have authorized that you know they but they say that oh it's just because of what he represents to us And but only a narcissistic leader would let his entourage produce gold statues of him when that's not in line with the way it's usually done you know exactly Um, yeah, so I, so I was only partially indoctrinated by the kind of generosity, gratitude, equanimity stuff um, because I'm conflict avoidant and I have I've I'm not, wasn't that in touch with my emotion and I was heartbroken. So I didn't want to be feeling some of the things I was feeling and I don't like anger. My parents used to fight a lot. So there's lots of things like that I was sort of slightly influenced by. And, you know, you just think, oh, yeah, well, who doesn't want to be more peaceful? Like that's people share quotes and memes about Buddhism on social media all the time, you know. So um, this is just kind of socially acceptable, isn't it? So, um, yeah. And yet in the end, I had to come forward because I couldn't sleep at night. I just had seen too much. And my perspective was changing the, the more I the time passed. And I read testimonies of abuse and. Because I'm a psychologist, my testimony and my analysis has a lot more weight and I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And so I deal with the shame of, in a way it's kind of, it's been a really amazing integrating experience. I think I had to come forward, like how I'm talking to you now, because I couldn't kind of integrate my experience as a survivor and a psychologist without bringing those parts of me together and talking about it with other people and say, Hey, this happened to me, even though I'm a psychologist. And, um, this is how I feel about it now. And it's really important for me to have a voice because I'm supposed to be in a profession that helps people reduce their psychological suffering. And I got drawn into something that exacerbates it. So I just couldn't, um, cope with it without doing this um yeah but um it is you know the shame comes and goes every now and then you get a new wave of something I think
0: (laughs) of course of course we call it uh we call it the onion layers right it's uh it just comes off in layers that's just how it goes and you and, and let's let's uh let me let me ask you if this helps at all um you know, not trying to to give you some some kind of faux therapy or just an idea, uh, you know, of a reframe here, you know, because I was actually mildly surprised and happy to hear that you were only involved for a year and a half. Mm. And the reason I, the first thing I thought of and, and all the things you've been talking to me about here as we've been going have sort of reinforced this idea, so when we ask you about this, that's not a long time. no. Right. And I think that your training actually did have something to do with seeing through some of the things that were happening faster or easier than some other people would because of your training. And I just offer that as a little reframe for you because, uh, yeah, you got sucked into something because guess what? You're human. You know, you're a human before you're a psychologist. Yeah, Yeah, of course. You just admitted you have issues. Surprise! Surprise! you know we all have issues oh my god right i mean i could let me let me write the novel of my issues let me tell you about all of my fucking issues right so like hello we're human right you're human that means you have yeah, issues yeah, yeah. so the fact that somebody could put a presentation together or a, or a thing together that would appeal to you as through as you described of a path through mindfulness and meditation, which is all the rage and certainly something that people should be curious about, should be interested in, because it's very helpful. Meditation's a great thing when you just kind of chill and just do it. Take no, all these trappings, you know. Yeah, meditation's wonderful. I've meditated. It's, it's it's a perfectly fine thing to do. There's nothing wrong, inherently wrong, with trance induction. It's what you do with it that matters, like everything. Yeah. You I mean, know. I would
1: say that there's still been a lack of adverse effects reported in studies. So I wouldn't say that meditation is good for everyone at all times, um, and some of it's not trauma sensitive. So just right. be careful what you're saying there, Chris. Yeah,
0: no, get, get that's why that's why I will defer to you on that. Yeah. um One
1: of the um, one of the interesting things that's been great about coming forward is I think it's helped reduce other people's shame. Because they're like, okay, a psychologist got drawn into this. Then they, that's actually helped them feel <laughs> better. So, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it should. You know, because there are, because again, this is one of those stupid tropes that, that kind of lives around in our society that people kind of kind of reassure themselves with. And it's a false security. It is a completely false security that my mm-hmm. intelligence will somehow protect me, that my common sense will somehow protect me, that I can't be fooled. Commercials don't work on me. Advertising doesn't work on me. The number of people who have told me this, and I'm talking about people, like smart people, who really should know better, uh, are just complete idiots when it comes to how propaganda works, how, how Mm -hmm. how indoctrination works. It works on everybody. It's just a matter of hitting the right notes. Yeah. And if it hasn't worked on you, well, that doesn't mean you're invincible. It means that, Mm. you know, that particular line of of notes, that's not what's going to appeal to you. But I guarantee you there is something out there that will because Mm. there ain't nobody immune to social hierarchies and abusive relationships. And then at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just like being in a relationship, an individual relationship with a narcissist. You don't see it when you're in it. Or maybe you start to see it towards the end and then it's really hard to leave because they've made you feel crap about yourself. You know, we're all, I mean, some people are more vulnerable to that than others, but um, yeah, nobody is uh, completely indestructible or invincible, right?
0: So Exactly, or foolproof. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So now let's talk briefly about um some of the abuses because um we've talked about cult mechanisms of course which are themselves abusive behaviors but Mm -hmm. what have you become aware of since you know at at the end of your journey and coming out now talking about this um you know what kind of things are we talking about here because it's getting I, i understand that there was more that was done by this group or individuals in this group than just you know taking advantage of people or taking some of their money from them um what else is going on in this in this situation
1: yeah so because of the abuse enabling teachings that i already mentioned um i would say that psychological abuse is enabled um in a way that's used to get free labor out of people mainly um because they believe that if you're doing something for the center that's you're going to be accumulating merit which you can sort of cash in towards your enlightenment like cha-ching i I see it now like a computer game like sonic the hedgehog collecting rings you know
0: right Um, gotta get them all
1: yeah yeah power (laughs) up um so it's mainly that and then also unfortunately tantric ideas have been used to take advantage of people sexually so the idea that having sex with your teacher is somehow more spiritual than average sex, or that you're generating yourself as a deity and then having sex with someone else who you're imagining is a deity. I don't fully understand it. But basically, it's just a way to have sex with people. But you're saying it's more spiritual. Um, So that has occurred. Uh, Even the celibate monks, um, B. Schofield's article that came out today mentioned that, that they have engaged in this. And this breaks their own internal rules um but they often obscure the fact that this is going on they've um told sexual assault survivors that you know they shouldn't go to the police because it would ruin the nkt's reputation you know so and then
0: um isn't it amazing one for one for one for one self-preservation of these groups always takes precedence over transparency The hypocrisy
1: when it's a, a Buddhist group, the hypocrisy is ridiculous because they're always talking about non attachment to reputation. And yet the, the way that they attack people to ruin their reputations in order to protect their own, the hypocrisy is absolutely staggering. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they've sent quite a lot of legal threats to people who've tried to publish books, which led them not to publish um they've sent um funeral brochures to people's parents with their name on so it's like a death threat basically um (laughs) that's a new one
0: i've not heard of that one yeah i mean death threats i've heard of but sending somebody a funeral home pamphlet wow that's that's creative
1: it's sick right oh very a lot of these attacks remain confidential they're not really in the public domain um they've also sent emails threatening to ruin people's reputations, but then haven't. Um, what happened to me was that, um, well, I started to receive threats on the YouTube comments um, on my videos, cause I allow comments on mine. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, say what? Threats saying that I should have cameras outside my house. Um, I don't know if it was them or someone else who's been hurt by them. I don't know. And then the day after I released my written report, they emailed my workplace pretending to be a fellow psychologist concerned for my mental state. But it was actually an attempt to make out that I was mentally ill and say that I wasn't suitable for my job.
0: Um, Yeah, you and I both have uh, something in common there. We both have hate pages on the web about us.
1: I yeah. call them hate
0: pages. I mean, they're attempts by our former groups to yeah. character assassinate yeah. us, and and you have an extensive one, and it it's all on that line of that sort of passive aggressive. I care about Michelle, and she's yeah. I'm very concerned about her mental health because she's yeah. going on in this delusional state. Blah 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 yeah. blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. you're just throwing truth bombs about what you've just been through.
1: Yeah, so I'm a hysterical woman, really, right. aren't I?
0: Clearly, you very clearly demonstrated hysteria over the last hour and a half here, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Well, I did get on the toilet and pretend to be the guru, and that really pissed them off.
0: Uh, so... They specifically mentioned that in the page, yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, that was good fun. That really
0: helped me. <laughs> I'll the- bet it was. The- <laughs>
1: yeah, by that point, I was really breaking free, you know, of, of the indoctrination. And I was really having a good time. But I didn't really care about the consequences when I did that. So I got some punishment. Um, yeah, so this email was absolutely pathetic and clearly from them, but they pretended um, to be this psychologist. Um, who didn't have a university or NHS email address. they just set, set one up. And um, I was so angry and in the abuse cycle and hellbent on exposing them that I shared this email on social media. The problem with that was I technically broke the data protection policy at my workplace for the sharing of emails, even though it was about me and it was fake. I wasn't supposed to share it because it's the property of your workplace so um because i'm a contractor this actually led to my release from my contract i would have got a warning if i was a permanent member of staff it wouldn't have been that serious but it's you have less rights when you're a contractor and by this point i actually wasn't coping very well um which is annoying because obviously they want to character assassinate you as mentally ill but you do have ptsd symptoms and when they attack you it does trigger you so um I, yeah i have hard.
0: no experience with that i have no idea what you're talking about
1: yeah
0: yeah no, yeah. none at all no me neither i nor my guests have ever experienced anything like that Yeah. nothing triggering yeah. coming out of scientology or no, anything like that no. yep
1: yeah so um
0: totally get it i totally yeah get
1: it. yeah and then <clears throat> then A few weeks later, I discovered drmichellehazen.com. So they bought the URL in my name. Taking a page
0: from Scientology's playbook.
1: And it did actually shock quite a lot of uh, current members who aren't really true believers. A few of them actually contacted me to say they were leaving because they were so disgusted. Um, so yeah, they bought the URL and they've written an entire site where they, um, it's DARVO, so deny, attack, reverse victim and offender. So they claim that I'm the offender and, um, I've ruined their reputation, uh, even though they don't exist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Um, and right. That I'm dangerous and I broke the law and all these all the things that they're actually doing they accuse me of which obviously that's how they cults operate isn't it and they just project it all onto you and um,
0: almost it's almost a hundred percent of the time it's actually amazing how predictable they can be on that
1: yeah and I thought that I'd protected myself because I wrote in my analysis that this is how they that they attack people so I thought well if they attack me then they'll just confirm what I've written so they'd be more clever than that but they weren't they just used a slightly different fake identity to what they usually use to slander ex-members. They were using a journalist called Indie Hack before, but I called them out on it. So they changed tactic. Um, yeah, so they even... This kind of made me laugh for a minute, but then the extent that they'd gone to did then disturb me. They even read my PhD thesis. They read the dedication to find out the name of my dead father and how he died um, to claim that I was just traumatised. I have complex trauma from, my, from losing my dad rather than anything to do with the NKT. Um, they really went to town. But of course, they tear apart my report in a way that proves that it's them because no one else who actually cares about me is going to humiliate me online and tear apart my report. So it's very obvious to outsiders what it is. It has actually worked to control the narrative for some insiders I've been told because when they're given a narrative that reduces their confusion, they just go with that because it's a lot less painful. Um, So Confirmation
0: bias is a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I fully felt the narcissistic rage of, of their attacks um, coming from a group that I see them on Twitter preaching every day about compassion for all living beings. But ex-members are not really considered living beings, as you know. Um, they don't have a fair game policy that's written anywhere, but I would say that they do practice fair
0: game. Of course they do what these groups do it's 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 actually just i mean we you know scientology put a label on it but it's it's just a a uniform characteristic of an extremist mindset that when Mm. somebody leaves the that group it's well it's like we say you know one of the ways you can tell a cult is you know what happens when you leave yeah what happens when you try to leave you know Mm. i mean if a group is truly tolerant compassionate and understanding then it's a live and let live philosophy and there's no other way around that. And yet some of these groups who preach tolerance, compassion, understanding, don't practice that in any way, shape, or form, you know?
1: No, not at all. And in a way it's good that the site remains up. I wonder if they might take it down eventually because it's just showing people the extent that they go to to attack whistleblowers and control the narrative um, instead of taking responsibility, which is the very opposite of everything that they teach, so yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, exactly. We will see. I, it'll be interesting. Like I said, you know, it's um, you know, it's not a huge group. They they don't have unlimited resources. They don't have unlimited you know budgets and and all of that
1: they do have quite a lot of money um in their oh, yeah. international temples fund <laughs> yeah um, sorry
0: I, I wasn't trying to downplay their that i'm just saying they're not they're not the mormons uh, you know 80 billion dollars in their in their interest bearing account right that's it's not, yeah, not not it's quite where these guys much. are at i
1: think it's something like 5 million
0: right Right. So certainly enough money to do damage. And, and, and I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just trying to say that this is not necessarily a group on par with some of these other groups that we have had to deal with. And, I, and, I mean, I, and for that reason, I believe that you're right, that there's a better chance that they'll give up on you know going after you personally. Um, but it's hard to say. Because, yeah, I mean you know. they're
1: a registered charity and they have to justify what they're doing with any of their funds. Um so yeah, I mean they have lots of flying monkeys. Um yeah, who knows. I don't I don't feel nervous anymore. I did used to. Um but um I survived their attacks on my workplace and um everything. I just make sure now that my workplace is a confidential
0: makes sense makes <laughs> yeah. total sense and yeah speaking out's a thing it's a dangerous thing we all have that and you know at any moment these groups could come after any of us I mean me publishing this podcast who knows maybe I'll get a letter you know um well, it no would be one
1: that I've spoken to um they did used to uh send like letter legal letters to um hosts of podcasts and stuff but that hasn't happened now for a a long time and all the ones that i've done recently there's not been any problems so you should be all right fair enough now who've spoken up and they never follow through with it they just send the threat but they they've never taken anyone to court so right
0: exactly it's the same thing as all the guests that i've had um from scientology former scientologists therapists and whatnot um you know, there's, there, there has never been, I, what I can say for sure is that I've never seen any direct retaliation because of the fact that somebody came on my channel. No. You know, I do know people who are being fair game by Scientology who have been on my channel. I mean, I'm being fair game by Scientology, but uh, with the website and that kind of stuff. But uh, but I've not seen any campaign started against somebody because they came on my channel. You know, No. Of, from any group. And mm. um, and so I don't expect any any sort of backlash from this, but you know yeah, I am kind of waiting for the the, the C and D letter. You know, <laughs> here it is, guys. I got it. Yeah. You know? Well, um,
1: you'll be <laughs> way down the line because B Schofield will be their new target after the article that came out today, because that's Correct. the first one that's detailed the attacks on survivors and the abuse. So from yeah. someone who was not a the survivor themselves, so. Don't worry,
0: right. you're way down the line. <laughs> I'm not not worried at all. And besides, I think B kinda lives for that fight.
1: Yeah, I get that impression.
0: Yeah. I, I'm here to inform, I'm not here to fight. I just want people to learn about these groups and, and because I because the ultimate anecdote or sorry, antidote for all of this prejudice, racism, tribalism, cults, extremism, all this stuff. At the end of the day, the only thing that really does anything about this stuff is education. Uh, it, you know, is, is freeing people from the ignorance that that these authoritarians take advantage of. They lever people's ignorance against them. You know, and that's the other thing all of us have in common is we had our ignorance levered, leveraged against us. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah, we did. Yeah. So. And now well, we will get
1: to. To each other, which is lovely, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is.
0: And you've been a wonderful yeah. guest. I, I really thank you for taking the time and, and telling me everything about this. And I hope I gave you enough time to talk. And Yeah, yourself... you
1: did, Chris. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Um, so I will put links uh, to these articles and, and various things. I am not, folks, if you guys are wondering, I am not going to put a link to the uh, website Against Michelle. You know, you guys want to find that, Google it yourself. I'm not going to forward uh, their nonsense. But um, but I will put a link to your paper and your website. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And, and if people want to reach out to you, can they do so via your website? Is that how they reach you or is there some other way?
1: Yeah, you can leave a comment on my website um, or on my YouTube and um you could also email me at NKT at gmail.com but right. i'm not sure how much longer i might be checking that email because i get suspicious emails and things there because they know about that one so yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting how after you do this for a little bit you have to kind of carefully read your emails (laughs) I I get some I get some weird I get some weird communication sometimes uh some lovely I guess I get some of the I get emails sometimes that just make my week I mean they're just amazing but other times I I get stuff I'm just like really really
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't even imagine when it comes to Scientology Chris
0: uh, all of it actually all of it i mean cuz cuz now people you know i get i get lots of emails from people you should check out this cult or i just got out of this cult and you should check this group out right it's like 20 people and i'm like uh, you know there's thousands of these groups guys come on i, I you know yeah i'm going to do looks like the, like we just did you know a uh, new Kadampa tradition there i've done nkt right but mm-hmm. you can take that yeah out. but it's kind of like that's that's not really the point you know, I mean, at this point, I think we know there are lots and lots and lots of varieties of, of these groups. But what I'm interested in at this point is talking about core principles, um, you know, first principles of these groups and psychology and, and, how, and sociology and how we can proof ourselves up against it. Because we're never going to get rid of these groups and we're never going to get rid of extremism in our lifetimes. I, that I am certain of. Uh, when I say never, I don't mean never, never, like forever and ever. But certainly, our lifetimes are not going to see the end of extremism or tribalism. So we're going to have to keep dealing with this for decades, if not centuries, until you know something gets cracked here, where we can figure out how to not have the good and, and keep the bad of of what we have dev- evolved into. And so, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm trying to do. Anyway, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> I'm rambling now, so we're going to wrap up. Folks, any questions, comments, feedback out there, uh, leave it in the comment section below. I will let Michelle know when this posts. So she's a YouTube person, so maybe she can come around and check the comments when this comes out. And so if you all have questions for her, you can also leave them in the comment section or at sensiblyspeaking.com. And we're wrapping up now. I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.